1: With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming.
2: What's up, Bears fans? Welcome to another edition of the Bearport Podcast the 2022 NFL season is officially in the books, and the Chicago Bears are officially on the clock in the 2023 NFL draft. That's right, they have the number one pick in the 2023 NFL draft after a wild Sunday that pretty much went their way. It was almost like winning the Super Bowl in a way here in Chicago. Uh, we're going to break that all down. Plus, Ryan Poles, Matt Eberfluss both talked to the media on Tuesday for about a 20 minute session to get their end-of-season press conference and maybe a little insight into what they're planning here in the 2023 offseason. We're going to discuss all that, get into all of that. Before we do, though, let me bring in my co-host Aaron Lemming. And, Aaron, let's start right away. Number one pick, a wild kind of 20 minutes there at the end, um, watching the Bears do their job in the tank, and then watching Davis Mills march the Houston Texans down the field, a fourth and 20 through the hands of the defender that honestly should have been picked off. And then Lovey Smith with a big middle finger to the Houston Texans going for two, getting it, and the Bears getting the number one pick. What was kind of your thoughts through that? Um, Where were you watching it? And kind of how did that all unfold for you in your eyes?
3: Well, so first of all, I I think the Texans in a way kind of brought this on themselves, man. Like I it's still it's crazy to me that they basically hung Lovey Smith out to dry. Like I didn't think I'll be honest, I didn't think Lovey Smith was that great of a hire, but I didn't think David Coley was that great of a hire. But the reality of it is is you hire minority coaches in back to back years and fire them after one year. But with the with the Lovey Smith thing, what I thought was interesting was They didn't give him any idea of like if he was going to have a job or not. Like his his job status was in limbo going into week 18. So it's like that right there promotes, you know, trying to go out and get a win. Right. So it's like it, it was just the whole thing was crazy. I mean, obviously, the Bears did, at least in my opinion, the Bears did everything everything in their power to make sure that they didn't have any chance on Sunday, which is great because I don't know about you, man, but I'm watching that game. And frankly, I I feel like if, if the bears would have been a little healthier and Justin Fields would have played, I think that would have at least been a game. And it wouldn't have shocked me if that game was, you know, close tied, you know, around the half when their starters were in. And it wouldn't have shocked me at all. If the bears would have won that game, like the bears very easily could have won that game. If they didn't take precautions um, not to win it. So, yeah, I, I I think that really what it comes down to is that you know it, it's just it's one of those things where the Bears don't get a lot of breaks, and I know that some people are going to listen to this and be like, you you know you're you're calling them winning three games a season, having the franchise worst, you know the only time in franchise history that they've lost fourteen games, and you're going to call this a win. But yeah, it is. I mean, when you look at it, the difference between number one and number two overall is so big in the value department. And it's big because the team that would have been in front of them, which is obviously the Texans, uh, are very likely going to take a quarterback. We kind of talked about this last week. So now all of a sudden you have a situation where you can trade back one spot with the Texans and probably end up landing, I would say, the max value of that would probably end up being like maybe the Texans' second first-round pick this year, which I kind of doubt they're going to want to give up. Or, you know, because of what happened with the Colts and the fact that the Colts turned around and lost and then uh, the Broncos ended up winning, you can turn around and you could trade down to four, which isn't a huge jump, and you can land a ton of value. Uh, Or you can go down even farther and get more value. So it's one of those things where I think that we're so conditioned to seeing the Bears win ridiculously meaning games, I mean meaningful or meaningless games. So like, just go back. I mean, again, go back to 2020 when the Bears, you know, they started off kind of, well, I, I say they started off hot. They started off extremely lucky. Um, and then it got down to when they had, what was that, like a six or seven game losing streak? And it looked like the Bears were out of it. And then if you go back and you really look at that, the, those last few games of the season where they ended up going into the playoffs and then they ended up losing to the Saints. If you go back and you look, if they'd have lost two of those games, two more of those games, they wouldn't have had a trade-up for Justin Fields. And they would have had a first-round pick this year. So, again, like, when you start going back and you start looking at some of the different things that haven't broke their way, you go back to the Aaron Donald draft when they took Kyle Fuller. Again, Kyle Fuller was a good pick. Aaron Donald is a first-ballot Hall of Famer, may be the best interior defensive lineman to ever play the game. He went one pick before the Bears. So, it's like, you can go back even through recent history where the Bears have simply not got the breaks that, you know, especially towards the end of the season when a loss would have been more beneficial to them than a win. So honestly, man, I was absolutely shocked. I was sitting there watching that game. I was watching it. as soon as I realized that the Bears are going to lose. And I'm not usually somebody to do this. Like I usually watch the Bears from start to finish, no matter how good, no matter how bad, especially the last game of the season. But I panicked because, um, you know, the Browns game was on the other TV. I panicked. I put on the, the, the Texans game. And I just, man, there was a few plays where it just, again, like this stuff doesn't happen to the Bears. So it was just, it was honestly miraculous that they were able to land the first overall pick. And I know Ryan Pohl said that he wasn't watching the game. He wasn't paying attention to the game. I call BS on that because everybody that follows football knows the weight and the overall value of having that number one overall pick. And, you know, it may have been a tough year to watch. We may have only seen three wins, but I think a lot of benefits going to come from this.
2: Yeah, it, it was an interesting final 20 minutes. And, you know, as, as the Vikings were kind of kneeling the clock and, and running it out, um, you know, there's a couple TVs in the press box. They had the game on and a bunch of the reporters kind of um, hustled around to to see what was going on. And it was just, it, you know, covering the team, the Bears it was exciting because like you want that number one pick because it makes for the offseason that much more um exciting in a way. So I know I was pretty happy about it um, because let's face it, they weren't going to the playoffs. The best thing they could do that day was lose and, and get the number one pick. And that's exactly what happened. Um, You know, I want to talk a little bit more about the number one pick, but also, I mean, what a night, man, like five, six hours later, Bears fans got to watch the Detroit lions going to green Bay, essentially no playoffs to play for, for Detroit. And then go in and and, and whoop up, or, you know, Whoop up late on the Packers and watch the Packers kind of uh, melt down and get eliminated from the playoffs. And maybe Aaron Rodgers' swan song walking out with Randall Cobb and, and that little montage they had, you know, disgusting puke. Maybe you want to puke watch that, but um, it was awesome. Seeing the Detroit lions take it to green Bay and Dan Campbell's team, you know, was eliminated because Seattle won and they're still, we're under the, you know, guidance of, Hey, if you're not going to go, we're not gonna if we're not gonna go to the playoffs, you're not gonna go to the playoffs as well. So, like I said, man, it was kind of just like um, it was just a very um, good day for the Bears all around, and you know we have to thank well, me, Lovie Smith and we have to thank the Detroit Lions.
3: Let me ask you something because yeah. I, I can't be the only one who felt this way. That whole following Aaron Rodgers after oh, the game, was watching his watching him put Randall, you know, put his arm around Randall Cobb and then taking the slow walk, dude, that was that was so staged that whole thing. I guarantee 100%. You Aaron Rodgers planned that, that in the, there's just no way around it. That the only thing that Aaron Rogers loves more than Aaron Rodgers is attention.
2: Yeah. And state farm commercials too. discount okay. double. Check. Yeah. It, it's, it's, I, I get what NBC was doing. Um, but at the same time, I mean, that's a huge win for the lions. Like again, they had nothing to essentially play for. And for me, I said it, you know, I think we talked about it on the podcast last week. Like I thought it was dumb to put that game Sunday night football. Um, I thought it should have been the same time as Seattle, but I didn't think Dan Campbell's team was going to roll over and and they didn't. And guess what, dude, they're building momentum into next season. Like, yeah, they're not going to playoffs, but they're going to open up training camp and mini camp. And I guarantee you, Dan Campbell is going to say to them, look what we did at the end of the year. We finished nine and eight, we knocked Green Bay out of the playoffs, a division rival. We won in Green Bay for the first time in, you know, a few years. That's something to build on, man. Like, that is something for a young team like that. It was Dan Campbell, he preaches culture. I mean, you heard Aiden Hutchinson, if, if you watched the post game, all like he said the word culture and what, what they're building around the Lions at least seven, eight times in a five minute interview. So that was huge for them. But I'm agreeing with you, man. That was just awesome to watch all around. Um, Quay Walker, dummy, pushing the pushing the trainer. Green Bay kind of melting down. Kirby Joseph picking off um, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Joining Brian Urlacher is the only person to pick off Aaron Rodgers three times in their career. Should have had four. Um, it was just great to watch. And like I said, man, it was an awesome day all around for the Bears.
3: Yeah, no, it absolutely was. I mean, there were some pretty entertaining games. Uh, you know, on a on a uh, personal brag note, I ended up winning. I had one fantasy league that went into week eighteen, and I am winning that, so that was nice. But yeah, it was that that I'll be honest. That Green Bay game started, and I thought for sure, I, I thought for sure that uh, that Detroit was just going to go in and just get completely blown out. But I, I you know, here is what I will say: like for as good as it was to watch um, the Packers lose, and I think. I, I don't know how you feel. I I'm at a point where I don't care what Aaron Rodgers does, man. Like going into the year I did, but Aaron Rodgers is not the same quarterback. The green Bay Packers are not the same team. Like, I'm sorry, but I don't buy into this thought process. They had one bad year. Um, I, I really just think that their roster is going downhill. And, you know, I, I think that the torch has been passed and unfortunately I don't think the torch has been passed to the bears, but I'll tell you what, man. Um, I think and I know this is going to sound crazy, but I think the Detroit Lions are on their way up for the first time in a long time. And I I don't know, man, if I was an NFC North team right now, I'd be sitting there looking at them saying, "Okay, if they can get their quarterback situation figured out. I mean, even with Jared Goff, if Jared Goff plays the way that he did this past year, uh, you get a little bit more talent on that team. You get a little bit more experience. I think they're going to be you know, they will be a playoff team next year. Uh, But if they get if they are able to find an upgrade from Jared Goff and actually get, you know, a legitimately good quarterback, uh, sustainable, long term quarterback, dude, they're going to be dangerous for a while. They got a good offensive line. They need some help on the defense. But as we've seen, defenses can flip in a hurry. You know, Um, you know, defenses can go from really bad to really good, pretty dang quick. Uh, The offensive side is is the, the side that really takes a lot longer. They got a good offensive line. They got a good group of receivers. Uh, you know, good group of running backs like they are dude, they They're going to be and they're young. They're young. I think that's the big thing. And it sounds crazy because I mean, I, I'm sure for anybody who's followed me on Twitter for, you know, a, a certain amount of time now knows how much I've dunked on the Lions and how much fun I've had making fun of them. Dude, I I don't know, man. I th- I think that time's over with. I think Dan Campbell's got them going in the right direction, which is crazy. I I still don't think that Dan Campbell's a very good in game coach, but I think that it's it. You can't argue with with his results. I mean, even last year, man, that's kind of the thing that should give Bears fans some hope. Is last year they were in a very similar position to the Bears in terms of they were playing a lot of close games. They had a lot of really bad breaks go their way, and they ended up winning. I think it was exactly three games, and there might have been four. I can't really remember, but. You know, and then this year they got off to that tough start and they pulled things back together. And I think going into next year, obviously we've got to see what happens, uh, you know, with free agency in the draft, but going into next year, I think that the Jaguars and the, the lions are kind of the blueprint for what we should hope for, for the bears. You know, it's, it's kind of one of those, like, you don't look at the Jaguars and you look at the lions and say, yeah, they're topped out. This is the best they're ever going to be. Like you look at those teams and you say, Hey, they're on the come up because they're younger. Um, the you know they have certain young pieces. Uh, I, you know Jacksonville's got a pretty good defense, and Trevor Lawrence all of a sudden flipped a switch. Like those are the kind of teams I know everybody wants to draw comparisons to the Eagles and the Bengals and all these other you know the the sexy names. But when you're really looking at some of the teams from this year, I think both Detroit and Jacksonville, those two teams, especially Jacksonville, because the Bears are going to be following a very similar blueprint over this offseason. Uh, to where they really, you know, that's the kind of road that they need to take, you know, get them to a level of relevancy next year, even if they don't make the playoffs, get close to 500, a little over 500, and then that window opens back up. I think that should be the goal.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
2: Yeah, looking at Detroit Lions, I mean, they built this thing through the trenches, essentially. You know, they have Panay Sewell on the line, they have Aiden Hutchinson, they have a couple guys on that defensive line that are really good, a couple of good pieces on the offensive line. Um, they're solid, and that's how they built it. And that's how I think Ryan Poles wants to build his roster is essentially like, look, we're gonna build through the trenches, we're gonna get franchise pieces on the offensive line. We're going to get franchise pieces on the defensive line. Um, and then kind of go from there. You want to protect your quarterback and you want to get after the opposing team um, is quarterback. And, and I think that's a good way of building it, but you're right, man. I mean, I think arrow was definitely up for Detroit. Um, I think, you know, another strong off season here. And I mean, they're, they could go in an extra as a team to beat, depending on what Minnesota does. I'm with you. I, I think, I mean, it doesn't really matter. I mean, the bears should have really won that game against Packers at the end of the season. Like the bears had any sort of defense. That game was pretty much over and in, in the book. So it'll be interesting to see how this all kind of plays out, um, you know, moving forward this off season, but yeah, it, it definitely feels like Detroit is in a position to kind of start their run. Um, I never really believed in Minnesota. I think the, the, the win loss record in one score games, kind of tells you all you need to know um, moving forward. So yeah, it's going to be interesting, but the bears have a lot of work to do and, and it starts now. and it starts with that number one pick. It starts with finding either a legit franchise player on defense, maybe um, as a offensive lineman like to protect Justin Fields or trading that pick and, getting a lot of capital back and kind of building it through this draft and building it through next draft. I think when you look at it, the bears have a chance if they do trade back to get not only a number one pick or a first, I'm sorry. um, a, A maybe top five, top 10 pick this year in a trade and potentially a top five, top 10 pick next year from a team as well. And I look and I think that's the Indianapolis Colts. And I think Chris Ballard pretty much hinted at his plan. Um, I I think now Ryan Poles is in the driver's seat. Um, And there's one specific reason. The Houston Texans are two. And both teams need quarterbacks. Both teams are in the AFC South. Ryan Poles could do some work here and be on the phones and say, hey, look, Indianapolis wants to move up. They're offering this. Up your offer. Houston comes back with a higher offer. Maybe gives up number two the first rounder next year. Indianapolis bumps her offer. I think the bears are in a really good spot right now to trade this pick. Um, You know, there is a possibility they stay at one and they could draft someone if they do. I very well think it's going to be Will Anderson, but you better, 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 better make sure that guy is the franchise player. That guy is a surefire guy that can change your defense around.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, I gotta be honest. I, I would be absolutely shocked. And I mean, absolutely shocked if they stayed at number one. I mean, you say it's a positive. I I'd say the possibility. Of them I'd be shocked at one. too. Yeah.
2: I just think it's, I think it's there though. I think like there is a, a very small chance. Houston says, you know what? That's fine. We're fine with CJ Stroud or worst case in my eyes, Houston says, well, we love Will Levis. We'll take Will Levis at two. Cause I, I think Bryce young is a slam dunk to go. Number one, if the bears aren't picking, um, And if a team doesn't want to trade up for some, whatever reason, you know, Houston could fall back. I I don't know. It's just, I, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think there is a scenario where we sit here and we're like, Oh crap, maybe polls didn't get the trade offer that he wanted or or something like that. You know?
3: Yeah. I I think it's a possibility. I, I think it's honestly though. I think it's about the same possibility as the bears deciding, you know, and I guess it's kind of play hand in hand with each other, but it'd be about the same possibility as the bears deciding like, you know what? We really like one of the quarterbacks in this draft. We're actually going to trade Justin Fields instead and, and use that number one overall pick. I just, because here's the thing, man, like when, when you go through and you look like you pointed out, you pointed out Houston and Indy. I, I think Indy is the one team. And I think most people feel this way, you know, like Indy is the team that makes a ton of sense. Right. Because, so there's a few different things. Let me and I'll get through my first thought here. So my first thought would be you got Houston and Indy within the top four, right? Then you have Seattle at five. Which yes, I know Geno Smith broke a bunch of records. I know they end up getting into the playoffs. Geno Smith really tailed in that tailed off that last second half of the year. It wouldn't honestly shock me if they say, okay, we're going to take a quarterback. It's Pete Carroll, man. Pete Carroll, like for however you feel about Pete Carroll, the 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 guy like Pete Carroll the coach is a really good coach. And I think that he's somebody that would that could take because I mean they have two they have uh, they have two first round picks too so you know they they're a team that could turn around and say okay we're going to take a quarterback you know and you know trade up or do whatever and they could still say okay well we'll give Geno Smith a year or two deal and then kind of go from there and not rush the quarterback situation and the at six you got the Lions which again Lions have two first round picks that will be interesting just because. There's a lot of talk right now where they're saying, yeah, we don't view Jared Goff as a bridge. Like we view Jared Goff as our guy. I, I just, I don't know, man. I find that hard to believe you got Vegas at seven. Um, Derek Carr is obviously gone. I think that they're going to end up going the veteran route. Honestly, I know it's kind of an obvious tie, but I feel like uh, Tom Brady makes a lot of sense with Josh McDaniels there. Then you got Atlanta at eight, Carolina at nine, and then you got Tennessee at 11. So it's like you have, eight teams potentially eight teams within the top 11 picks that could all be looking for quarterbacks and i think it's worth mentioning and this would be my second point here is i think it's obviously worth mentioning that when you look at the free agent class of you know in terms of quarterbacks you have geno smith uh and lamar jackson or you know obviously i think they'd probably be at the top daniel jones would probably be up there as well and then tom brady but i think tom brady is going to be very situational i think it's either going to be Staying in Tampa Bay or taking a situation with a you know familiarity, which I, I would have to assume would be Vegas at this point. But then after that, you start looking around and okay, you got Jimmy G, but it's like Jimmy G at this point in his career, honestly, it wouldn't shock me if, you know, if he ended up staying in San Francisco, whatever, but once all of that weeds out, I mean, let's just say Lamar Jackson stays in Baltimore because I think that makes the most sense. Maybe Geno Smith uh, stays in Seattle on a short-term deal. I don't think he's going to get a long-term deal that would preclude them from taking a quarterback at some point. And then you start really looking, it's like Jimmy G is going to go to a team, and I don't think the Jim- i don't think Jimmy G is a quarterback at this point in time that you're gonna that a team's going to look at and say, yeah, we're going to roll with this guy for the next three or four years. And we're not taking a quarterback this year. So it's like when you really start looking at this free agent class of quarterbacks. Yes, there are some really good bridge quarterbacks, but as we saw a few years ago with Andy Dalton, where Andy Dalton was still a pretty solid starter with Cincinnati when they they finally decided to cut bait, Andy Dalton hasn't been the same quarterback since. So I think you're you're looking at a situation where, yes, some of these teams are probably going to figure out their quarterback situation. I feel like Jimmy G could make some sense in Tennessee, um, especially with the, the kind of weird window that they've got. But there's still probably going to be a solid, I would say, four or five – Uh, teams within those top 11 and the 13 picks. I think you also got to figure out what the heck, what the heck the jets are going to do. The jets are sitting at 13 and you also got to figure out what Washington's going to do. Washington's probably too far to trade back with, but again, they've got to figure out their quarterback situation. So again, you're looking at basically 10 teams right now that you know, for sure need to change their quarterback situation. You take the veterans out of the equation, you take everything else out. You're still going to have probably a good solid five teams. And most of those are going to be within the top 11 picks. And that's where I look at this and I say, okay, you know, I understand that Ryan Poles has got to come out and he's got to kind of play it coy a little bit, Um, you know, with a press conference talking about, you know, he'd have to be really blown away. I think that's about the biggest endorsement that you can get for, you know, quarterback with, you know, in regards to Justin Fields right now. Right. But I think when you really look at it, there are multiple different teams within the top 10 that could make a lot of sense for the Bears to trade down. I think what this is going to come down to, and maybe you feel differently, I think it's going to come down to how Ryan Poles views this, right? Is he just going to go straight for value? Is he just simply going to say, hey, we're fine picking, let's just say worst case, we're fine picking 11 overall. Um, we want the most value that we can get. So if they got a, you know a, a first and a second, maybe like a fourth this year, a first next year, and a first the year after that, that has more value to them versus sitting there at one and saying, okay, we're going to make the deal with the Colts. Because again, from a value aspect, the, the deal with the Colts, yes, it's going to land you a, a first round pick next year, and it's probably going to get you their second round pick this year. But after that, that value becomes subjective. Do you get another pick in 2024, like a you know a third round pick? Or do you do you somehow luck into a second round pick in 2025? And that's kind of where the Bears are going to have to balance things out. Ryan is going to have, to have to balance things out. The one thing I will say is this. I don't think, at least historically speaking, I don't think that the Bears are going to trade with a team like Seattle or a team like Detroit and land a pair like both first round picks this year. Like I don't think the Bears are going to be rolling in. I don't think the Bears are going to have two first round picks this year. I think the ultimate idea behind this is that you're going to have you're going to be playing with house money next year with an extra first round pick next year. And like you pointed out, if the Bears end up being better, if they end up winning seven, eight, nine games there's a pretty good chance if you deal, you know, rookie quarterbacks, like if you look at like the, you know, rookie quarterbacks in the rookie year starting and their teams, usually they don't have a winning record. So like, let's say Indianapolis, for example, Indianapolis has got a lot of things that get figured out. And I have a feeling that they're going to kind of go into, I would say more of a retool than a rebuild. I don't think they're going to be that good next year, even with a, you know, with a quality rookie quarterback. So there's a very good chance that the Colts could end up picking top five, top seven again. So it's like all of a sudden, even if the Bears pick next year is considerably better than it is right now, you'd still have that first round pick that kind of guarantees you that top five, top 10 slot. And I think that that is the ultimate goal, because again, if you have two first round picks every year... You're able to do a lot more in the draft and you're able to trade down. You're able to do whatever, kind of like what the Eagles have been doing lately. If you look at what the Eagles have been doing with their draft picks lately, I think that's a very good guideline of what the Bears are going to be able to do over these next, uh, you know, even the same thing with Miami over the next few years. I think that that really needs to be the goal. You talk about sustainable, that needs to be the goal.
4: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
2: Yeah, I think that should be the goal. I think getting, you know, I think the Colts are probably the best bet in the, in the best partner, I'd say in my eyes, just because you'd get that top five pick this year. Um, I think the Colts are, are, are going to be bad again next year. Um, So you'll get a pick again next year. That's that, that should be pretty high. Um, I mean, the bears could be bad next year too. So you could end up with two top 10 picks uh, essentially Um, next year as well. And that kind of plays in the fact that if Justin Fields isn't the guy, you know, next year's, Um, quarterback class is is considered another really, really good one. Um, But yeah, I mean, you're right. I I hope they trade the pick. Um, I think they will eventually. Um, I think we'll have to wait a little bit, obviously, and then um, wait to see how things play out at the combine and all that stuff. But the bears are in a great position, man. Like they, they're in a really good position to acquire some draft capital and improve this roster. And if you can trade that pick, get a, get a top five, top 10 pick, still end up with someone on defense that you, you think you can build. That's that that's good. That's ideal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, we, we saw the rumors already about the bears. You know, Mike Tannenbaum came out saying they should trade Justin Fields and draft Bryce young. Um, I don't know what you thought, but listening to Ryan polls yesterday, I, I mean, it's just fields. It's a guy. I don't think Bryce young or CJ Stroud or anyone's going to blow Ryan pulls away. Um, which is what he said would have to happen. If they, you know, do take a quarterback? He's got to sell this a number one pick as well. So I, I think we have to pay attention to what polls is saying, but they're going to go with fields and, and, you know, and build around him and build through that line. And I just think, you know, it's kind of crazy the, the national media narrative out there, um, That is, uh, that is, you know, trying to push the Bears to trade for Justin Fields or trying to, um, excuse me, claim the Bears will. It's just crazy. And guess what, man? Like, it's only January 11th we're recording this. We're gonna be talking about these narratives for the next four to five weeks, probably more, and it's it's gonna be crazy.
3: Yeah. Well, and I think you know, it's one of those things where. Anybody connected with like the local media, the Bears media, they hear Ryan Poles words and they say like right out of the gate, like, you know exactly what he's trying to do. You know what he's saying? Like, you know, it's very clear that he was basically saying like, you know, we're going to keep Justin Fields, but we're also going to, you know, try to keep this open ended. So that way maybe we can, you know, hype up this pick a little bit more. Like, it's very clear. It's the same thing as Ryan Pole saying you know, they're prepared to trade down, but they're also prepared to make the pick of the number one. Well, they may be prepared to make the pick of number one, but that that would probably be, in a sense, a worst case scenario for them, right? So it's like, it's one of those things where, yeah, it's like you have the the national the national media and the local media where the local media listens to Ryan Pohl's talk every time he talks. He li- they listen to, you know, obviously you guys listen to Matt Eberflus four times a week. So it's like, you guys have a better idea of what, you know, what they're saying without, you know, or, you know, what they're saying without what they're saying, if that makes any sense versus the national media, where there are a lot of people who will see a quote and they just run with it. And it just, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that I I think we all knew that this was going going to come because I think the reality is quite simple here, right? Like I think most of us feel really good about Justin Fields, but I think that we can also admit, and this is something I tweeted about earlier. We can also all admit that, we need to see more next year. And it, it's a tough it's a tough evaluation. It's a tough situation because, yes, like going into this year, uh, we talked about it a lot. I know a lot of people disagreed. I, I think we can all be on the same page now that Justin Fields had the worst situation of any quarterback in the entire league. It doesn't matter how young, how old. He had the worst situation in all of the league. He had the worst group of receivers, the combination between the worst group of receivers and the worst offensive line in the league. And frankly, it really wasn't that close. Like, it's pretty pathetic that Cole Komet ended up being the leading receiver and he was right around 500 yards. Like, that is, (laughs) that's a joke, man. Like, that's an absolute joke. Like, the the Bears gave up close to the, uh, they either gave up the most sacks or close to the most sacks. And they were the, the, defensively, they had the least amount of sacks. And it's just, the whole thing is crazy. But what makes it tough is—is is yes, Justin Fields took some steps this year. He become a he became a better playmaker. Unfortunately, or I shouldn't say unfortunately, but a lot of that was with his legs and not as much with his arm. But we all know his arm talent. I I, I think from a progression standpoint, from a, like from a mental progression standpoint, I think the big thing that we need to see from him in 2023 is his development in the pocket and as a passer. But it's really really freaking hard to do that when you're running for your life or when you don't even have it. And that's a problem. Half the time, Justin Fields didn't even have a chance to run for his life because the offensive line was that bad. You know, it's like he made plenty of good throws, but half the time receivers weren't catching the ball. I felt like, honestly, I felt like Dante Pettis and EQ St. Brown were both averaging at least a drop a game. So it's, it's kind of one of those things where you're robbing Peter to pay Paul in a sense when you're looking at it. And you're, it's hard to make any real determinations. Here's what I will say. I think that this is going to be the offseason one way or another. We may Obviously, we don't have all the answers, not even close to all the answers, but they're going to have over $100 million in true cap space. They're going to have the number one overall pick, which they should be able to parlay into at least another extra pick this year. They're still going to pick high in the first round, regardless of what happens with them trading that pick. Uh they're going to have a lot of resources to be able to fix a lot of different things. Maybe not perfectly fixed. Like the offensive line is not going to be the best in the league. They're not going to have the best receiving core, but if they have an above average receiving core and an average offensive line, that drastically changes the entire platform in which you can, you can sit there and evaluate Justin Fields. Now, if Justin Fields looks the same right now, you know, next year, at the end of next year, as he, as he did for the majority of this year, then at that point, I think you say, okay, he didn't make the third-year leap. We've got better talent around him. It's time that we figure out what we're going to do with the quarterback situation. And I think if the Bears are sitting there in 2024 with the, the first overall pick, I think Justin Fields at that point has proven that he's not going to be the guy. And I think at that point in time, you pull the trigger on another quarterback. But we're not even close to that point because, again, he got put into such an unfair situation for any quarterback that it is almost impossible to be able to evaluate, like how, you know, what his ceiling is or anything like that. All we can really say is yes, there are some bad moments. Yes, there are things he needs to improve on as a passer. But when you look at his numbers as a passer and you look at his total numbers, his total yards, his total touchdowns, everything else, he still made a considerable jump with considerably less talent around him versus his rookie year. So at this point in time, man, anybody, you know, again, you can have your own opinion. Uh, But I I just I feel like at this point in time, anybody trying to drum up the fact that there's some like real possibility that Justin Fields could get traded and they could take Bryce Young and they could take Will Levis or C.J. Stroud. I just I don't know, man. I just don't in this quarterback class. Now, if Caleb Williams was sitting there right now, maybe that's a different different discussion. But the fact is that all of these quarterbacks have different flaws and different questions around them. And I just, I don't know, man, I could be wrong. Maybe maybe Ryan Poles goes through and he evaluates his quarterback class, which he absolutely should. And he comes through and he says, okay, I really like this quarterback. This is a guy that I want. I just don't see that happening.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm with you as well. I I don't think you take a quarterback. I I think you evaluate all the players in the draft. You do your homework. It's your job. It's absolutely your job and your scout's job evaluate all the talent in this draft. I think you do that. I think you eventually trade the pick. You try to build around Justin Fields. And like you said, next year, if he's struggling and he's not the guy, you know, you have two quarterbacks at least right now at minimum that are, that scouts are really high on Caleb Williams and Drake may, and there's going to be a couple more that emerge as well. Um, Then, then maybe you go that route and maybe you have the extra pick or, or whatever, any of you know, all that stuff. But yeah, for now you're building around Justin Fields and, it's just the national narrative that's kind of um trying to steer it the other way. As for what P poles and Iberfluss said, Aaron, um, was there anything that really caught your eye or your attention? Um, for me, you know, talk about Cole Komet um in, in the season that he had and and how he's improved and what they and they liked what they saw. That was what that stood out to me. That screams to me that they're going to try and keep him here in Chicago um, with an extension. And I think they'll get one done eventually here this offseason. I think he'll commit has done enough in Ryan Pohl's eyes um, to kind of earn that shot again and earn that second contract. I don't think he'll get anything like John O. Smith got or any of these other big contract tight ends. But if you listen to what a poll said, you know, he had the interesting quote of you guys know where I go- came from um, pointing back to his Kansas city days where the tight ends are just as important in this offense as wide receivers. And obviously Kansas city is Travis, Kelsey Cole Komet's not on that level. Um, but you can have a playmaker at tight end like that to kind of open up your offense and-, and have another weapon. That was one thing that stood out to me. I don't know how you feel about Cole Komet and, and Ryan Poles, or was there another quote that maybe stood out to you of what he said on um, Tuesday's press conference?
3: Well, I think any time that you directly single out one player in a positive way like he did with Cole Komet, I mean, yeah, I I think at this point in time, because again, this is something to remember, and this is courtesy of uh, Brad Spielberger. We've had him on the podcast a few times from Pro Football Focus. Like The Bears have to spend right around $150 million in cash, not cap, but but in cash uh, pointed towards... The 2023 season, the Bears have a lot of money that they actually have to spend. I know this narrative keeps getting spun around after listening to Ryan polls and saying that they're going to be calculated and, you know, the buckets of free agents and all the different things that they do and that they're not going to, you know, go on overpay somebody because they have money. But the reality of it is, man, is one free agency is an overpay and two, the Bears have to spend a certain amount of money to meet the cash slash cap floor. That the CBA has you know installed. So it's it's one of those things where Cole Komet is probably going to get more money than a lot of people think. I think that especially in in today's NFL, when you look at the way that deals are made, you're paying somebody for their future production for one, but you're paying somebody for their future production based on comps. And I think that while I, I think that you could probably say, yeah, he'll he'll get anywhere from eight to 10 million. When you really look at the tight end market as a whole, there's a decent jump. It goes from Logan Thomas, who was a converted, you know, and he's kind of an older guy. He's 31. He was a converted quarterback to tight end and he got $8 million a year. But then really the next comp outside of the franchise tag from, you know, with Mike Chusecki and the, uh, and Dalton Schultz is going to be John U. Smith and in that range of about $12.5 million a year. Uh, same thing with Hunter Henry. So I, I I do think that one way or another, that, that deal is definitely going to get done. Um, the other one that kind of stood out to me, and I know that people have kind of taken this differently, uh, you know, in different ways of what Ryan Poles has said, was the David Montgomery quote. Now, I like David Montgomery. I think he's a quality running back. Um, I also think that, from a lack of speed perspective, I think that the the lack of explosion is kind of something that is going to continue to kind of hamper him in some ways. Yes, he has his own style. He's a very good blocker. He's a good pass catcher, which I didn't utilize him a lot this year. But what I thought was interesting was Ryan Poles' quote in basically saying, I love David Montgomery. I've always been a David Montgomery fan, and that they would like to re-sign him. But then in the same breath, he also said, but like we've learned, you know, us wanting to keep a player doesn't always work out because the value has to line up. Um, I don't know about you, but we heard a very, very similar remark back in August in regards to Roquant Smith. Now, obviously the situations are different. I'm not saying that the situations are the same, but what I'm saying is I think that if you if you kind of read between the lines. And and again, obviously Ryan Poles has only been here for not even quite a year yet, but if you read in between the lines and in terms of kind of what he's learned and what he's done and what he said, that to me said, we would like David Montgomery, but we want David Montgomery at our price. And if we learned anything from Roquan Smith, it's the fact that if you don't like if you're still asking for a higher price than what Ryan Poles is willing to pay, then a deal is not going to be made. And in the case of David Montgomery, well, David Montgomery is a free agent. And unfortunately for him, again, I hope David Montgomery gets paid. But if you look at this free agent class, there's a lot of good free agent running backs. If you look at this draft class, this is probably one of the best and the deepest draft classes at running back that we've seen in a long time. This is a bad year to be a free agent. So if, if David Montgomery goes into this thing wanting, let's just say, 9 or $10 million a year and the Bears value him at, let's just say, 5 or $6 million, and David Montgomery says, well, I'm going to go out and test the market. Like There was a decent chance that by the time that he tests the market, Ryan Poles are, could have already moved on. And again, th- that's just my take on it. But I thought that it was very interesting. And there was a lot to compare to what he said about Roquan Smith and what he's saying about David Montgomery now, where, yeah, I'm sure he wants him back, but he wants him back at his price. And if that price isn't going to line up, then the deal's not going to get done.
0: You
1: ready? Showtime.
2: Yeah, and you know it's it's interesting because for Montgomery, I mean there's a good amount of good running, I'm not saying Montgomery's not good, but there's a good amount of good running backs out in the free agent market this year. And I mean you look at guys like Tony Pollard scheduled to be a free agent, Josh Jacobs, um Saquon Barkley. Guys like that, Um, you know, who knows what the Packers do with Aaron Jones. Um, The Bears might be able to get David Montgomery at a good price. But the point that you're saying is true, too. I mean, Montgomery could wait, could explore the market, not get what he wants. And then essentially, you're looking at, um, you know, Montgomery, or the Bears moving on and taking a different running back and Montgomery, you know, maybe getting less somewhere else. But, you know, that did sound, when you did say the Roquan thing, I was, I was, I'm with you. That sounded exactly like the Roquan type thing um, that he was saying um, earlier in the year, but yeah, you know, that, that was another one that, that another quote that stood out to me. Um, And you know what? I was actually impressed with this press conference. Um, I, I didn't think it was a bad one at all. I thought it was informative. At the same time, they answered everything correctly and right. They didn't really reveal a whole lot. They said they were going to be sound in free agency. Um, like you mentioned, they have to spend a certain amount. Um, they can't just be super, super cheap. And the thing to kind of remember here, they have – they're going to overpay. I mean, it's just how it is. Teams overpay in free agency every single year. The Bears are going to overpay as as well. It's just, it's just how it is right now. So – yeah, I mean, those really stood out to me. Other than that, there wasn't a whole lot. Uh, they weren't going to reveal a whole lot either. I don't know if if you had anything else um, that you want to touch on from that press conference, but I I thought those were kind of the biggest things, um, you know, from what I what I heard and 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 kind of their plans moving forward.
3: Yeah, I, I think that this is probably the least chaotic and least eventful in a good way um, presser that we've seen from the bears and in, in quite a while, just because like, it's very clear, you know, it's, it, I don't know, to me, it's very clear that, you know, the bears know what they have, right? Like the whole, it, there was a, I can't remember who put out the report earlier, but the bears are not going to be one of the two teams coaching the East West shrine game. I think it actually might've been Albert Breer, uh and basically what it is is the 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 east west shrine game they're trying to kind of turn that into what the senior bowl used to be in terms of they want the you know the teams of the top two picks assuming that there's no coaching changes they want those two teams to be the coaches of each side of the east west shrine game and the bears actually turned down the opportunity to coach the game because they basically wanted to get a jump start on free agency and they wanted to get a jump start on the draft. And what that tells me is that while there's some, you know, some value to be had with the East West Shrine game and coaching in it and so on and so forth, there's also there's also very clearly some urgency to get out ahead of the market and really because here's the thing, man, like, and this is not an exaggeration, like the Bears control the entire off season, right? Like it's just that, that just is what it is at this point. They have the first overall pick Um and they, you know, they're going to have, you know, I was actually looking at, they're going to have a record amount of cap space, like the most cap space in NFL history. And obviously that doesn't mean a whole lot just because, you know, it, I guess it's just kind of one of those things like it, it it doesn't mean a whole lot just because the cap goes up every year and obviously, you know, situations change. But with that being said, you know, it, it would behoove them to get a good jumpstart, right? It would behoove them to to really kind of figure out exactly what they're going to do, because this is and this is I guess the other the only other thing that stood out to me. And he didn't directly say it, but he mentioned uh. Uh, you know, number one wide receiver. And he basically said, yeah, we, you know, we need to find a number one wide receiver. And then he said something along the lines of uh, I, th- I think he said something along the lines of, you know, we got Darnell in the building and we got chase in the building and you know, maybe one of those guys can turn into that, but we need a number one wide receiver to me. That's basically saying we're fully aware that we need a top end guy. And while we like Darnell Mooney and while we like chase Claypool, I think Darnell Mooney's another guy that, you know, obviously the injury is going to change things a little bit, but I think he's another guy that could get an extension this off season. Uh, I think he's going to stay in Chicago. Uh, I I think that they're kind of, you know, planting that stake in the ground and saying, Hey, we need another top end receiver. And, you know, it's going to be interesting because when you look at the market right now at receiver, it may make more sense for them to, trade a, a a pick um and go that route whether that's DeAndre Hopkins uh whether that's Brandon Cooks and I know those guys aren't young but I think if you're really looking for a true number one receiver that you can kind of plug and play for the next let's just call it two years one of those guys may make a lot more sense in going out and overspending on the free agent market for a guy like Alan Lazard who doesn't sound like he's gonna be back because let's be honest Alan Lazard is not a number one receiver He's not a number one receiver. He's a, he's a basically a big slot that has some versatility. He would know the system. It honestly would shock me if he's a target for the Bears this year. But Alan Lazard is not a number one receiver. Jacoby Meyer is another good number two, but he's not a number one receiver. My concern is, is that if you pile too many number two receivers together, you're still not going to get the type of production that you need at receiver. So that was the only other thing that really kind of stood out to me is that the bears know that they control this offseason. They know that they're going to have a crazy amount of resources. Basically, once we get to that three day, that, that the 72 hour negotiation window uh, really when free agency starts, whoever's out on that market is free game. And I can tell you right now, if the bears have their targets, Ryan Polson, say whatever he wants. If the bears have their targets, Deron Payne, for example, hits free agency. I bet you right now the Bears are going to be throwing at least twenty million dollars a year at him, right? I mean, the same thing if one of those offensive tackles breaks free that they like, Mike McGlinchey, DeJuan Taylor, uh, maybe Orlando Brown. I don't know if he really fits the athletic profile, but you get the point. One of those guys, they could easily throw, you know, depending on the the quality of the player, they could easily throw fifteen to twenty million dollars a year at one of those guys because they can. Um, so, but I think that the receiver spot is kind of one of those where. They're, you know, they're going to have resources, but they're going to have to be smart in how they use those resources. And I think receiver is one of those, not like you can just say, hey, there's a number one receiver in free agency. We're going to go get that guy. Or there's a, a number one receiver in the draft that's worth a top five pick. We're going to go get that guy. The Bears are in a really weird position when it comes to receiver right now. And I think you could say the same about edge rusher too.
2: Yeah, the receiver quote was was interesting to me in, in you know, thinking about Alan Lazard and your point of going and getting a bunch of number twos. That's kind of what the bears did last year, except they went and kind of got a bunch of number two and threes and, you know, just it, it did not work out and I don't want them to go that route. I just don't know how they're going to find the number one. Um, Maybe they trade for, or, DeAndre Hopkins, something like that. Um, they're gonna have to make it work though, because they have to get weapons around Justin Fields. That's the main goal um this offseason. And we'll have a lot of time to talk about that this offseason for sure. Aaron, that should wrap things up now. Um, work everyone follow you on Twitter and work everyone where your work at?
3: Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL and you can read my work on the bearreport.com.
2: Awesome. You can follow the bear report on Twitter at just bear report. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Zach z-a-c-k underscore pearson um please rate review subscribe on all major podcasting platforms helps us and picks for polls also check out the bear for the latest in the offseason aaron just wrote something on trade downs the history of that um we have a bunch of other stuff we're doing our position reviews all that good stuff so check that out we'll be back next week and until then everyone please stay safe please stay healthy
1: it's happening daily MyPatriotSupply.com